Um, when my son Jordan was a little guy, uh, much the same as the kids up here, um, every so often I had the, um, I was going to say responsibility, but I'm, as a good father, I'm supposed to say the opportunity to spend extra time with my son. And so we would do various things. And one of the things that we did together um, is that we would go to Toys R Us. Now, I, some of you probably don't know about Toys R Us, but some of you know that it is this huge uh, mega store that's filled with every kind of toy a kid could imagine. So I would take Jordan there for a um, play day. And while we were in the car, I would tell Jordan a couple things. You can go through the store, and uh, lots of times they had the toys out where you could actually try them and pray with them. I said, play with them. I said, you can, you can play with those toys, you can play out, but there's, there's two rules we need to remember as we're going into Toys R Us. One, uh, dad is not gonna buy you anything. We're just going there to look and to play. And second of all, to help you with that, is that it is okay to say, Dad, isn't this cool? Or, Dad, that's a wonderful toy. Or even, Dad, someday I maybe would wish to have that toy. But one thing you can't say is, Dad, will you buy this for me? I said, if, that, if I hear that, we're going to toddle out of the store and go do something else. And he was really good with that. We would spend some time walking into Toys R Us and walking up down all the aisles and looking at all toys, and he would often say, boy, that's, that's really cool. Because it, it was really cool. And we would, and he never, though, asked, Dad, will you buy this for me? But there were a lot of kids in that store that wasn't, weren't as well-trained as my son. And uh, we would see them and hear them, and they, you would hear them pleading with their mom or their dad, buy me this toy, you know? I will take care of the dog for six months if you buy me this toy. Then if mom and dad don't respond to the pleading, they, he still starts to kind of grabbing onto mom. Maybe you've seen that, or dad, you're grabbing onto the dress and pleading with your parent, buy me this toy. And then if you have a kid that's really not trained very well, they end up on the floor. And I've seen that. You know, they're kicking and screaming on the floor because mom and dad don't give them what they want. Today's passage deals with asking. Seeking, knocking, and all those things are good because God's word tells us that we are to do them. But there are some guidelines that we have to be careful that we don't become like that little annoying child in Toys R Us that we're, um, God says we can knock. He doesn't necessarily say bang. He says we can ask, but he doesn't necessarily say that we should plead over and over and over again, even though this passage gives a sense that we can keep on asking. God doesn't get tired of us. If we ask for one thing, we can ask for another thing. 
But there's a, I've seen it in people's lives and followers of Jesus that they um, almost get to the point of begging God to do something. And God doesn't answer their request, their prayer. And um, I know these people who have said, well, if God doesn't answer my prayer, then God is hurtful or weak or doesn't care about me, doesn't love me. There must be something in my life that hinders God for um, granting my request. So I want to look some in the Sermon on the Mount and uh, look at this passage that talks about asking and seeking and see if we can maybe get an answer on how we are to ask and how we are to seek and how we are to knock and what are those things that we should be asking and seeking for and, and knocking uh, for. So if you haven't turned already, we're in Matthew chapter 7. We're starting in verse 7, and um, let me read the passage for you that I'm going to look at, and then we'll um, see if we can um, learn some things from it. Verse 7 of chapter 7 of Matthew. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, and will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things, give good things to those who ask him? Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others do to you, do to them, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, we have said in times past that when we look at Scripture, we have to look at it in context. If we take this asking and seeking and finding just by itself, it, it seems to say whatever you ask for, God will give it. Now, I know at one level that not to be true. Because I have asked for things, I have sought things, I have knocked on God's door for things, and I didn't receive what I asked for. And you have to wonder why. And given my character, I always feel that if God doesn't answer my prayer, then there is something inherently wrong with me. Not with God, but with me. I am that sinner. I am that disobedient one. And yet, that's not what's going on here. In the context of this teaching that Jesus is doing um, before all the people, uh, we come out of that passage that we looked at last week about judging not. About, we said about giving to people, to individuals, what is beneficial for them what will be accepted by them. 
We, we talk about getting the log out of our own eye so that we can help the person who's got that speck in their own eye. We have to do a little bit of self-surgery before we can um, place some healing in a person's life. And I come to understand that in this context, Jesus is telling us to ask and to seek and to knock um, at least partially for the things that we just um, heard Jesus say last week. As we're seeking to help people, really help them. As we're, maybe we back it up one. If we are seeking really to get the log out of our own eye, we ask the Lord, help me get that log out of my own eye. We seek God's help and favor to get that log out of our own eye. And we knock. We're persistent in that. So we can be uh, restored and healing and have good sight in order to be able to help others. And we did talk about salvation, not giving to dogs what is holy or pearls to pigs and saying, but we are called to give the gospel. We are called to give the good news. And I believe that in this context, those are the things that we're really praying about here. It's not about God giving you that perfect wife or husband. I remember as a high school student praying that prayer every so often. But I couldn't rethink really about a, a wife. I was still in high school, but I did pray about a girlfriend every now and then that I sought God. And I said to God, I think that would be a good one to have for a girlfriend. Often God didn't answer my prayer. Probably he was wiser in that not necessarily for my sake, but for hers. Um, we, can, we are called here to ask, to seek, and to knock. But I think primarily we need to realize what we are to ask for and what we are to seek and what we are to uh, knock on God's door for that will be opened to us. And I think the scriptures give us some Things to ask for that we know will be answered. I think of James chapter 1 verse 7 that says, If any of you lack wisdom, ask of God and he will give you generously without reproach. Good thing to pray for. God, give me wisdom. Jesus earlier on in the Sermon on the Mount talks about how we are to pray. And he says that we pray for God's kingdom to come, that his will will be done, and we can be assured that God will answer that prayer. He says we are to pray for our daily needs, the basics, and God will grant that to us. We are to pray to uh, give God glory we are to ask God to help us not fall into temptation. These are prayers that God will 
answer. What is the wisest way for us to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can we best communicate the very nature of God to the people we bump into every day? I think these are the things that we ask for and that we seek for and that we knock for. These are the things that God will give us. We can be assured of them as we pray for gospel effectiveness. As the Apostle Paul told the church, pray for me so that my work would be effective for the gospel. Those are the things that I think we ask for as we seek to help people. We get in the context here that we are not praying for ourselves as much as we are praying for the other person. Those are the prayers that God answers. I think in John chapter 15, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and somewhere around verse 7, he says, um, If you abide in me and my words abide in uh, you, then ask whatever you wish, and I will do it. Notice the, um, the condition for asking, that Jesus would abide in us and that we would abide in him and his word would abide in us. And I think as, as we are abiding and living in Christ and following him and we're letting his word abide in us, our prayers get redirected at times to pray more in line with God's will. You see, God will never work outside the counsel of his will. But if we pray within the desire and the will of God, um, God will answer. Give us what we need. A little further on in that passage, it talks about what we would give to our son who asks for bread. Would we give him a stone or a serpent if he asked for fish? And then uh, Jesus goes on to say, if you who are evil know how to give good things to your children, how much will, more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? It was interesting as I studied this passage and I looked a little deeper in that last phrase where it says, your Father in heaven will give you good things. The scripture only says there that God will give you good. Not good things. Not good gifts. The, the reason that the translators often will add the word things or gifts is because they imply it from what is said above where it says we will give good gifts to our children. But it's interesting at the end of that passage, um, Jesus is saying, ask for these things, seek for these things, knock for these things, and God will give you good God will always give you 
the best for you. One of the uh, commentators that I read this week said this. He said, God only gives good gifts, which may not correspond to our ideas of what we should have. Sometimes God gives us good and we say, this is not the good that I wanted. I wanted this other thing. It's like when my mom would fix liver and onions. Just to think about it drives me crazy. And I would say, Mom, I didn't ask for this. And she would say, as every good mother says, eat it. This is good for you. Sometimes I wondered about my mom and her goodness toward her son. But God gives what is good, what is right, and it may not line up with what we think is good or right, but God will only give the good. Sometimes the silence of God is a good thing. that God does not speak. He is silent. Which by the Spirit helps us to attune our ears to the Lord. So sometimes God's silence is a good thing. Sometimes lacking and not receiving is a good thing. God only gives the good, for he is a good God. Verse 12. Some of your Bibles probably say, at the beginning of verse 12, the golden rule. Remember those things that are in bold print in your scriptures? Jesus did not say in fact, the biblical writers did not write it. This is some interpreter's uh, tool to help you know what's coming up. The danger is that um, we can take things like, so whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets, and we make it into a platitude. I know people who do not follow Jesus that can quote this verse. It's a, it's a bumper sticker for them. It's just a quote that gives direction to life. And I guess it's good that they live by this or try to live by this. But in reality, only those who are righteous, only those who are infused with the very nature and character of Jesus, who have been sanctified by his blood, have um, the ability to do this. This is one of the marks. Remember, Jesus is in this sermon is giving what it is to follow him, what it is to be part of his upside-down kingdom. 
to live this way. If I want to hear good from others, I need to give good words to them. Jesus says, uh, this sums up the law and the prophets. Remember in Matthew, I believe it's its 22nd chapter, um, the uh, religious leaders asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus sums it up and says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and some versions say with all your strength. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is a verse that calls us to complete those commandments. To love others as we would desire to be loved. And it starts with the church. It starts with you as a follower of Jesus. It starts with each one of us collectively loving others as we are to love God. Or maybe I should say we, the way we love God and the way we should love God is how we should love others. And specifically within the household of faith. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying what's been called the high priestly prayer. And in that prayer, um, he says to his uh, disciples, or he's praying to God in his disciples' hearing, he says that as he, he prays that they would love one another as he was being loved by the Father. And through their love for one another, the world would know the reality of who Jesus is and why he came. Your love for one another, for the others in this room, for brothers and sisters spread out, as we love one another, it is a living example of God's love for Jesus and his love for us. We have a task to do here, to live out the love of God, to do to others what we would like them to do to us. I think we all would be loved, we would love to be loved by people. And the only way we can do that is by loving them. But let's be honest, that sounds really good on paper, but it's incredibly difficult to love some people. And right now you're thinking in your mind, I know who that is. That's why we can only love this way by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to um, be every day reattaching ourselves or surrendering ourselves to the work of the Lord, work of the Spirit in us. This phrase must move from um, the theoretical to the practical. It can't be just something we quote. It has to be borne out in that which we do. 
and caring for other people. I think the interesting thing is that if we practice that, loving others, caring for others, very soon we drop out of the picture in a good way. We find out that we're going to love no matter what we get back. We're going to be like Jesus. Jesus loved knowing that he was one day going to be nailed to the cross by the very people he loved. And even in his suffering, he loved. Even in his suffering, he asked of his father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's the kind of love we need to have because that's the kind of love that God has for us. So let me give you, I hope, four um, statements of encouragement from this passage. One, we have been invited to come before the Father. You have an opportunity to come directly before God. The Jews all didn't have that before Jesus. Jesus makes it possible. We are invited. Jesus says, ask. Come on. Come up here. Ask of your father. You are invited to approach. It's good news. Great news. Number two, we are invited to abide with the King of Kings. In fact, we are invited to abide in him John 17 tells us, and he abides in us. Not only are we invited to approach the throne of God, but we are invited to live in him, to abide in him, to make our dwelling in him, and he will abide in us and make his dwelling in us. God is not someone who is far away from us, but he is as close as the heartbeat. That's good news. Number three, God will always, put myself on the line here, God will always give you the good. God will not do evil to you. He will give you the good. It may not look good at the moment. It may be liver and onions. And I know I've insulted somebody out there who loves liver and onions. God bless you. But God will always give the good. He will give us wisdom. He will give us compassion. He will give us forgiveness. He will give us mercy. He will give us his loving kindness, his steadfast love that endures forever. God will always give us good. And number four, we are given the opportunity to live out the reality of Jesus in our world. 
we get to be those who live in the kingdom and express the kingdom to the people we come in contact with each day. He does not hold us aside and say, this is my work and not your work, but he says to us, come and join me in my work. You are specifically equipped to do kingdom work. We are not just servants pushed in the back room who are given to grovel at their master's feet, but we are raised up as co-ministers, as men and women who are called to live out the reality of Jesus in our workplace, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our homes. And that is good news. Not only are we redeemed, not only are we reconciled, but we are called to be part of God's work. You have been invited to approach God, good news. You've been invited to abide in Jesus and he abide in you, that is good news. We know that God will always give us good and that is good news. And we are given the opportunity to serve alongside the King of Kings. And that is good news. So, Jesus says we can ask, we can seek, we can knock, and he will give us good. Let's pray and thank him for that. hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.